Hello and welcome to the first live recorded episode of my newly renamed podcast, The Built Environment Marketing Show. I'm still your host, Ayo Abbas, founder and director of Abbas Marketing. Having a podcast name tied to the state of the economy was no longer fun, so I decided to change things up. And to celebrate the new name and the start of this next season of interviews, I decided the first five episodes of this show will be recorded live on LinkedIn throughout this week. This special week-long interview series is a tactical deep dive on reasonably priced things that businesses can implement to give their marketing a boost. My first guest is Tom Garfield, and we're talking all about websites. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the first live Ah, Built Environment Marketing Show, which is here on LinkedIn. And I am your host, Ayo Abbas. And if you are joining us live, could you, uh, I don't know, say where you're writing from, listening from uh, in the comments, just so we can see that there are actually people here. Um, Because before I have spoken to people who weren't actually online, which is useful. Uh, Anyway, today, uh, much like my usual podcasts, uh, this session will be a conversational chat. Um, We'll have 30 minutes, but actually this time we'll be taking questions from the floor. So if you do have a question, uh, feel, feel free to put it in the comments and we can answer those as we're going along or towards the end. Uh, and today we're kicking off with websites, websites which are your digital shop front. So this special LinkedIn Live is going to be a deep dive into how to improve your website without spending a ton of money, which is obviously my line because I thought that was quite interesting. And my guest today is the highly knowledgeable Tom Garfield from Tom Garfield Marketing. Um, I'll ask Tom to introduce himself. Tell, hi, Tom. Can you say who you are and where you come from, what you do? Hello. Yeah, so I'm Tom. I am a um, website consultant, I'm a website designer, and I help service businesses improve their websites to generate leads and inquiries. So I've got a heavy focus on conversion and making sure that websites actually do what we want them to do, not just make them look pretty. Um, and that's my thing. Okay, we've already got two highs, one from Frankie, uh, one from Bavini Hello. as well, and one from Ruth. So we got we got people listening. Woo! Yes. <laughs> All right. So my first question is, why are websites so important in times like these? Well, I, well, times like these meaning like downturn, right? A bit of a maybe a downturn. Uh, I see. Who I'm knows? saying just the R word. That's what I'm saying because I'm just too depressing. Oh, okay. Well, all right. <laughs> Our word. Okay, cool. Well, I think websites are always important and especially so. And I think, I mean, marketing as a whole tends to be, from what I can see and and people often do this, is if there's maybe a downturn, um, marketing budgets get slashed immediately. It's like the first thing you think is, right, how can we make savings? And that's important for sure. But marketing, and in this case, websites, I think are such an opportunity to keep your business afloat. If you rely on a steady stream of incoming leads, if you need plenty of new inquiries, it's, yeah, it's really tempting to maybe cut your budgets. But if you do that, or if you're driving traffic to your website and you cut your traffic generation um, advertising or traffic generation, whatever it might be, then you're going to lose that traffic or you're going to lose part of that traffic. And being able to continue to keep people coming to your website and keep people inquiring about your services is going to keep your business afloat, keep your revenue. Um, and so, I don't know, there might be a smaller pool of customers. Perhaps you've relied on referrals or another stream of customers, 
But maybe that's going to slow down a little bit now. Maybe there are new opportunities for you to look digitally at ways you can maybe take some of your offline budget. Maybe you've spent a lot of money on radio or billboards or big conferences or whatever it might be that you do. And maybe you could take some of that money and invest it in digital, which can typically be cheaper to generate, you know, the same amount of uh, interest potentially. That's really interesting. I mean, I think one of the things that kind of caught my eye this week was that there's a piece of Gartner research that's saying that, you know, people don't want to talk to salespeople, which I think is really interesting. So B2B, people are saying, I'd rather just have a digital experience, understand more about your products, no matter how complex and your services, no matter how complex, but just do it online without someone picking me up going, hi, blah, 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 blah. So I think- Yes. So there's this huge drive towards actually, I want to be the informed consumer and buyer, even in the B2B space. So you can actually turn around and go, I've read enough up. I feel, and when I'm actually contacting you is actually roughly when I want to buy, or if I've got a specific question rather than the other way around, which is how it's done. We'll gate all our content and stuff. So I think there is this whole thing about websites actually having more of a role. Yeah, that's really interesting. If yeah. people are moving that way, I would say B2B websites typically don't do that very well because no, they don't. rely on sales teams or they rely on um, people picking up the phone and arranging meetings and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, a website could be a really good opportunity for you to put all of that information or all of that content, um, turn it into web content rather than relying on salespeople to um, yeah, yeah. push it. I guess what is it? people and just don't like being sold to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I hate it. You know, when I download something mm. and someone rings me up, like the next day, A, I don't know who they are, but B, I also am there going, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And yeah, then yeah, it yeah. kind of, that kind of puts me off. So I think the whole kind of, that whole thing, I think is starting to die a death. I think people are like, I want to be informed and get the information and I'll contact you when I need you because I know you're there. So I think yeah, it might be they switching need to sort of get further in their decision-making journey without having to talk to a salesperson yeah, and then completely. using the website or other information to be able to get the stuff they need before they talk to someone. Interesting. That's so really cool. next question. Uh, so in terms of like, I'm saying front end stuff. So I guess that's more the appearance and the look and feel, right? So mm, in terms yeah. of what, what things should we, we be considering for our websites to kind of, I guess, make them work better. Okay. So what you see a lot of the time, is a website that if it's been if it's been worked on quite well it looks lovely sometimes its design is nice it's got nice imagery especially in like your well-built environment in in architecture whatever it might be um they invest a lot in photography and that's really great but one of the things i see that people need to be much more aware of is that when people land on the website they're looking for inspiration for sure but they're also looking for uh reassurance and as they get closer to that decision making process to the buying decide to inquire they want to be not only inspired by all of these wonderful things that they see to go look how beautiful that building is or look what this is this is fantastic but they then need to be reassured because they're going to start to almost get a pre-buyer's remorse which is first thing is they're asking how good this could this be how good could this project be and they're really excited and then as they start to think am i going to inquire now they then ask a different question which is how bad might this be how how could this go wrong maybe and so you want to make sure that you are you know when you're getting close to that inquiry stage you are using things like reassuring language um, you're making sure that your process is really comprehensive and clear you're proving your expertise with great testimonials from past clients uh, yeah. perhaps you're giving uh, insight into your people to sort of instill trust and likability 
all of those things really matter. And I think those are things that people don't do as well because they're not, I don't know, maybe they're a bit harder to produce. They take a bit more effort um, rather than just kind of publishing a load of pictures. Um, also, front-end stuff like mobile is huge. Mobile is... 60% of all traffic now, something like that. I'd have to go and update my knowledge on the exact percentage. But yeah, last time I checked, it was over 50%. And It changed over lockdown, didn't it? It changed over lockdown, yeah. didn't it? Which when desktop suddenly went really high. But I think it's like even Yeah, now, well, a lot of people are, were sat at their computers, not out and about. So that kind of changed a bit. But typically, mobile has been taking a much more dominant share over time since well, really since kind of smartphones came about, really. 2011 is when it really started to take off. The first mobile websites, first responsive websites were starting to come through that sort yeah. of time. Um, and, and yeah, so people, when they imagine their website, especially B2B, I think, um, they imagine a desktop. They imagine a laptop and they think yeah. about the website. If I was to ask you to picture your website, you'd probably think of it on a, on a screen this size. But actually, if over half of your visitors are seeing your screen on this size and you're not making considerations and decisions based on that size then there's a mismatch there so you need to make sure that your website is considered as a mobile first platform rather than a desktop first platform and that matters because it affects people's experience i was gonna say i was thinking once you said that i was thinking yeah actually i think of desktop first but you're right it's mobile first and then the other way around people do it? picture desktop first, first yeah like buy, doesn't it yeah yeah you have to simplify you have to, you have to kind of cut to the chase Walls of text look even bigger on a mobile. So if you've got a nice yeah. big space on your desktop, you can get away with a lot more text, right? But if you get to a mobile level and you have the same amount of text, that can end up being a really long scroll. And if you want to get people to your imagery or to an interaction button or whatever it might be, they're going to have to scroll through our text. And I don't know, people aren't going to want to get through all of that. And it's not as attractive and not as engaging. Okay, so I guess... Um, I, one of the things I want to add to that was just around being clear on what it is you do. Because my other bugbear on websites is when mm. you land on a website and I don't have a clue what you do. Like that kind of yeah. above the fold when I land on it, actually say, I design buildings for this. Or, or just like some kind of USP, some statement, which is quite clear on what you do. So I think there's been this kind yeah. of overall trend of being really arty in your language and how you describe yourself. But actually, do you know what? Let's be clear. Because <laughs> like, yeah. you've got a couple of seconds to actually capture my my attention and to make yeah. sure, and also to reassure me, like you said, about that I'm in the right place. So I think there's all of those things that people can go back and just double check on your website, on your homepage. Is it clear what you do? Can you easily contact me? Can, you know, does it does it do all the things yeah. it needs to do? Because I think for me, that's yeah, kind like of the if front end stuff. Yeah, 100%. Like if you're if you're vague on your website, people won't be interested. They'll lose you. Like if you let's say you're an electrician and you said instead of saying I'm an electrician, I live in this area, this is how much you can, you know, this is these are the things I do and this is how much roughly it might cost. And you see yeah. instead you said we provide innovative uh innovative residential illumination <laughs> services, right? And you're you're like, "What? You change what they mean is they like change light bulbs or something." Like, yeah. I don't know what, right? But that happens. That happens a lot, especially in in b2b where they sort of i guess try to elevate the message a bit or something yeah but it ends up being really lost. Professionals. Up, yeah yeah it's just it, i can read a website and i've done this so many times way more times than you you might think and i'm sure we all have but you can read through a website and you can read through an entire homepage and still be none the wiser as to what they yeah. actually do how they do it who they do it for yeah so those statements need to be clear not clever and if you, I know, if you can I marry the two, that's great. But 
what clear and clever whoa um, yeah, you can be clear and clever <laughs> i'm joking i know you can especially with a good copywriting. <laughs> um so in terms of the back end stuff and what you need to think about so the back end's like all the kind of meta tagging and data and all the stuff that you need to do right i'm gonna leave that to you to describe because sure. i don't do that sure <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm less of a, a less of a back end person myself. Uh, if that if that's something that people you know care about, I think it is important. It's incredibly important. So I work with I work with developers. I build websites myself, but I predominantly, if there's something really complex, I work with sort of super good developers. Um, yeah. But the the things that really matter that people don't see are speed. So how fast your website loads. That's really really important. Um, security. So the last thing anyone needs in a R word world is something going wrong, your website getting hacked or it breaking and you need to spend money to fix it or anything like that. And you can prevent that with a decent maintenance schedule. So if you've got an agency that you work with or whoever it is that maintains your website for you, make sure that there is a security and hack prevention system in place that you've got all your stuff is up to date, your plugins and your themes or whatever it is the platform you're using, make sure it's basically um a tight ship because otherwise there are potential issues with breaking hacking those sorts of stuff um yeah and then and then also really we'll move on to this bit but is the analytics side of things so making sure that when you're in your your website you are doing things to it to make sure that it's you know helping you um drive traffic helping you be found by the people that you want to be found by Fantastic. Thank you for that. That was one of those things I was like, mm, mm. let's talk about that part. Because I always think it's that's the bit where people forget about it. Like they kind of think it's just the front end of a site and they don't think actually about mm. the back end and the tagging and you know like all that kind of stuff to actually make sure a website works and shows up where it should. I always think that's the yeah. stuff the stuff that isn't necessarily that glamorous. So people are often there going, Oh, you know, they don't even ask questions about it. It's just about the look and feel. Mm. And I kind of think actually uh, if yeah. the back end of your site doesn't work, your site isn't going to work. That's right. I'll give you a really good example, actually. So in, um, it was a WordPress website. It was a potential client that came to me, said, no one's finding me on Google. I'm not getting any, any traffic, whatever. Um, and so you'd have a look at the website and they hadn't touched the login. They hadn't looked at the login at all. It was just launched and it had been about 18 months, something like that. I went into the site and there was a setting in WordPress that basically says, don't let my website appear in Google. And you can tick that. Sometimes people tick it when they're developing a website or for any other yeah. reason. And you can basically essentially turn off and say, Google's not allowed to, not allowed. You request it and Google usually obeys it, which is basically yeah. don't index my website in Google. And that was ticked. And it was, all it took was an untick. Uh, obviously it took, you know, a bit of time to then re-index, but they'd lost 18 months of potential because whoever built the website had forgotten to turn this off. And so just like a review like that, took 18 months to actually happen and no one realized because the agency that built the website didn't revisit it the customer didn't revisit it and it was just lost and it just wasn't there so no one was finding it and it took 18 months for someone to kind of have a look and check i mean i've also heard horror stories as well well i've also heard horror stories of like people developing a new website with a new agency um Mm. and then i think they were from abroad and they weren't that good to be honest and like basically they did they just started a new site and didn't bring any of the kind of good domain stuff or domain reputation from the old site so all of their kind of existing traffic and history all just disappeared and like i think it's that kind of thing of actually educating yourself enough to know the questions to ask whoever you're going to work with or if you're doing on your like 
just so that you kind of get that continue can you you continue to kind of not you don't undo your good work and I think that's one of the things that people yeah. kind of do need to be mindful of because it's like yeah you do need to know a there's a lot that goes there. into a website mm, there's a lot that goes into a website it's why one of the reasons I love them so much is because that it takes a lot of different skills and a lot of different areas to do it well um mm. and you know so it's, it's a bit of a, a classic joke in the SEO world is leaving sort of leaving SEO to the last minute when you're launching a new website you just kind of go oh we're about to launch our new website could you just do a bit of SEO on it and something like that is a typical thought process of someone that doesn't really know about how this all works um but actually you need to be considerate of that sort of stuff right from the beginning when you're even creating a brief for a project you need to have all of that stuff in mind and so i just yeah you've got to be really really wary that you're not missing something you don't even know exists because that can really cause genuine problems for you so as you spoke about seo can you can you kind of Mm. introduce what kind of search engine optimization which is seo is just so people who don't know yeah, a really, really quick definition is it's about making sure that Google sees your website as something that deserves and can get found by the people you want to get found for in a Google search. So if somebody is looking for architects in a certain geographical area, let's say London, if they Google architects in London, Google will look at all of the websites that are relevant for that search query. So if it's people that are architects, obviously, they sort of look at where they're based, look at the kind of content that's on the website, all of those things. And then it will determine whether or not you deserve to come up highly for that result based on hundreds of factors in Google's algorithm that determine the quality of your website, the relevance of your website, how robust your website is, all of these different factors that go into it. And it basically makes sure that, you know, you come up and people click on your website link instead of you being buried down in page two, three, four, five, six, which is essentially where (laughs) nobody goes. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're an architect in London and you don't come up for the search term architect in London, then you're missing out on that opportunity. Uh, I can imagine architect in London is going to be a really hard search term to come up for actually, just for the sheer amount of practices. And because you're going to have all the big, massive, Norman Foster, you know what I mean? You're going to have all these big ones too. Yeah, yeah. So you might, and that's in right. that area, so, I guess nowadays, something like that, you'd want to look, you'd want to look at something a bit smaller then, wouldn't you? And more, yeah, definitely. A bit more like, niche. I work in so, or something like that. You know what I mean? It will be, much yeah, more it's about what people search for as well, though. So you have to make sure. So key, good keyword research is is the foundation, really, is understanding yeah. what it is that people look for, what it is that's super relevant. Architects in London is a very broad term, right? And that's often what what people will think. Oh, I need to get found for the most the broadest term possible because it's got the most traffic. But yeah. you you one, the market is very saturated now. There's a lot of SEO work being done over the last however many years, twenty years or whatever. Um, and so some of the people that occupy the top spots are largely unmovable for certain broad terms so it's about getting really niche and understanding right there's thousands of keywords that people search for how can we find the ones that have still got some opportunity still super relevant to what we do so yeah. um yeah just just i think if you are looking at seo i mean if we're talking about this being in a, in the context of not spending a lot of money um to do seo really well not that you have to spend a lot of money in the same way that you might with advertising but you either have to have a lot of expertise and a lot of resource to do it in-house or you end up having to spend a significant amount of money to make it worth it because it takes a lot of effort it takes time and it takes a lot of skill to do well 
and you can't do SEO on the cheap. If you try and find someone that's offering it cheaply, say, let's say, for example, someone says, right, £300 a month, we'll do all your SEO, we'll get you found for architects in London. Yeah. No, run away. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you're wasting your money. <laughs> don't do anything. Just don't do SEO if you're going to do it cheap. If you're ready to invest proper money, that's good. But if, you, if you're trying to get it done on the cheap, just you're going to waste your money, 100%. Ah, SEO is a long, long game as well. So it's not like yeah, a short, exactly. Short so play, if we're talking about a short-term economic downturn, hopefully short-term, who knows? But if we're talking about what can we do now in order to try and generate more leads and inquiries, SEO is typically something that takes time, you know. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't start now. You should start with a decent content strategy um and start start generating stuff that people are interested in. And, and yeah, I would say you should always be starting. SEO, but it might not be something you want to do in the short term to expect those results to come through. No, because I always say it's a mid to long term play at least. And you have to yeah, be pushing out content, don't you, to it to even start to register, really. It's a, um, yeah, I think it's a mindset thing, really. You have to be willing to wait for things to work. I'm not. <laughs> I'm oh. joking. <laughs> <laughs> You have to try some other stuff then. I know. Yeah. I was like, this isn't going to work. Uh, okay. So I've actually had a question which was emailed into me today. <laughs> oh, lovely. Okay. Which is an extra one from Ella Orr. So she asked, she said she can't make it. She said, can okay. you ask Tom, how do you go about getting more backlinks? Okay. What well, are backlinks? Might be the first back, question. Yeah. Maybe. So first thing, backlinks are um, links that point to your website from other places on the internet. So they're not links that you have on your website. They are links that come to you from other sites. So let's say there was an industry journal, like an architectural journal or something like that, that published yeah. a piece content that showcased some really great work in your industry or something. And they published that article on their website and it published the name of the company and it linked to the website. That is a link from that website to your website. Google thinks they're quite good and it takes into account the number and quality of those links in its algorithm. So whether or not it thinks you should be ranking higher on Google is determined by a couple of things, which is what your content is all about. So that's the relevance bit really is, is, is this content that's useful and relevant to the search that's being carried out. And then yeah. in order to then really determine which ones come in, come up in which order, it's about your I guess deservability might be a good way of explaining it. It's like which websites are popular enough or which websites are credible enough to deserve to be found for these searches. And one of the major factors is the volume and quality of backlinks. So if you are getting linked to from highly reputable industry sources or lots of different places that are telling people basically, because a link is basically saying click on this. If they're telling people to come to your website, then Google sees that as almost like a little vote for your website to say, this is a good website to visit because they wouldn't link to you. Otherwise they wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't want to do it. If your website was bad or wasn't relevant for the search or whatever. So that's what. So the backlinks how do you are. get more? How do you get more backlinks then? Well, sort of there's, lots of, <laughs> there's lots of different ways. This is such a big topic. Um, it's not really something you can explain in the amount of time that we've got. But largely um, doing doing things like like so PR basically is the way you would get decent yeah. quality backlinks. And, and, you know, you might your audience might be familiar with with more traditional PR being sort of featured in magazines, being featured in sort of things and appearing on even being a guest on a podcast can sometimes generate yeah. a link if they publish that page on their website. Um, 
so basically PR, I would say, is probably in the time that we've got now to explain it, I would say what you want <laughs> to do. That's cool. PR's cool. Yeah, I, is try and do that. PR, get people to link to your website through PR. Yeah, I like that. There's lots of other ways, but that's good. I think PR is a good one anyway. And I think yeah, it's one, probably yeah. the simplest one. And like even the podcast one, like I think how many links you get from like Apple and all these different Spotify mm, and mm, all mm. of those, because they all host your website and it's got show notes, which link back into your, into my website. So you've got all of those, which are also avenues for building up your reputation and your, yeah. and, and your and, and, as well. And try go for quality over quantity. So relevance. So don't just try and get links in any old place. Like if there's a industry body that has a publication, for example, that is highly relevant to your sector, then that's a really good option to look at finding ways to be showcased in their content somehow. Fantastic. Okay. So next question. So, which isn't from Ella. Uh, so any tips on driving traffic to your website? Yeah, I mean, well, content creation from an SEO point of view, you know, making sure that you're regularly publishing content on your website. Um, there's lots and lots of ways to drive traffic. It depends on your individual business and how you go about doing it. You know, social media being one. If you are um, interested and you like using social media, then that can be a great way of driving traffic to your website. Um, again, PR, digital PR, backlinks aren't just for getting those lovely Google benefits. Those links actually get looked at by humans and they can click on those links and then come to your <laughs> website. So um, yeah, backlinks are, are a good way. Referrals, referral links from other places. Um, are there any partnerships that you could develop with people in adjacent industries where yeah. they get a lot of traffic to their website? And let's say, so one example, example is like so for example i worked with a nutritionist who teamed up with a um yoga teacher and they did like a joint thing and they've got basically the same audience so they've got people who are interested in looking after their health people who are interested in doing you know doing that kind of whole health and health and well-being thing nutrition yeah. and yoga go hand in hand is there a similar uh, partnership that you could maybe um try and find you know set up a relationship in some way feature on each other's websites whatever it might be and then you've got I digital like, advertising from an architectural well. thing um i guess architects if they're working with like their wider partners like structural engineers and all of that the whole kind of design team could actually do stuff something more collaborative in terms yeah, of what they definitely. do and how they actually promote the whole project and actually not just showcasing their own in inputs but actually talking about the wider team and all yeah that like a shared case a study work. is a really yeah. good a really good option for businesses that work closely together on projects a shared case study is a great great idea Fantastic. And onto your favorite topic, which is conversions. Firstly, what mm. are conversions? Okay, so conversions are essentially people doing the thing you want them to do when they're on your website. And typically in 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 service businesses, that is pick up the phone, send you an email, fill out a form, book an appointment of some kind. Those are the kind yeah. of main things we want people to do when, when they land on our website. Um, and so being able to track those events, so being able to understand when someone rings your phones the phone number when someone clicks on the email address when someone fills out a form that is what we would call a conversion and understanding how many of those we get where they come from and how we can improve our websites to generate more of them um is basically the thing i do um as and and i'm, and I'm working towards kind of doing as, as well as i can for as many of my clients as possible because that's really what we want websites to do largely if, if we're a service we want we don't necessarily want people to browse our pictures we don't want a website that looks lovely what we really want is new inquiries um, and so yeah. yeah that's what our conversion is and any tips on i guess getting better at getting more of them well yes so the first the first thing and this is what people don't do much of is 
a real deep understanding of your current situation. So you've got a website, you probably haven't really assessed its performance. First of all, what are your objectives? So you need something to measure. You need your conversions. What are your conversion metrics? Are they website forms? Are they phone numbers? Whatever it might be, multiples usually. And then understanding how many of them you want, how many of them you're currently getting, and then you can go about analyzing your website. That's quite a technical process. There's a lot involved. There are offline things you can do, online things you can do. But largely it comes down to analyzing your website's performance, finding areas that maybe are preventing people from converting and making improvements. Testing is an important thing. You can do something called A-B testing on your website, which is where you will send half of your traffic to one version of a page, half of your traffic to another version of your page, analyze the performance. So which one gets more conversions and then you keep the winner. And then you do it again with a different variation of your testing. But really, I think the first stage and the first thing people should start doing is getting a really deep understanding of their current website performance. So is the information on there what people actually want? Is there anything that's missing? Are there any objections that you're not handling on your website that you could be handling? So if someone comes onto the website, they land on it, and then they browse around a little bit, and then they leave, what made them leave? That's the Mm. question you need to ask. Why did they leave? It could be all the way from the source of the traffic. It could be that they weren't even a relevant person in the first place. Or it could be that they are super relevant, but they didn't find what they wanted on your website in order to give them the confidence to make an inquiry. Yeah. Um, and there are different ways to do that. I was going to say, um, how do you find why people leave? Because I've, I've done stuff like, I mean, I've used stuff on my website, like Hotjar and stuff like that, yeah. to see where people are clicking and what they're interested in. And that told me absolutely tons, because I know when I redid my website, I could see on the services pages, which was one page, that people were clicking on the titles of the services, expecting more, but they didn't get yep. it. You know what I mean? So that's that's a classic example. Yeah, yeah. So that that whole world is called behavior analytics. And so it's about Mm -hmm. analyzing the behavior of your users on the website. And you can either do that with tools, like you've just described Hotjar is one version of that. And that includes things like session recording. So you can literally record a session. It's all private. It's all anonymous. So there's no um, issues there. But what it does is it will show you the mouse moving around the screen. It will show you where they click, where they don't click. It'll show you how far they scroll, which pages yeah. they look at. And you can sit and watch this recording. And you'll so many people it's are so surprised it's by so what hypnotic. It's so mm. hypnotic. You sort of sit there watching it going, ooh, ah. Yeah. And you sort of yeah, realise, yeah. like, oh, they always could care and it doesn't go anywhere. And you kind of yeah. see what works on your website. It's fascinating. Yeah. Seriously fascinating. And that matters, right? It really matters. A lot of people don't connect that to, well, what, why does that matter? Well, surely if they, they want to see my stuff, they'll just pick up the phone. But web users are often fickle and they'll just leave if it's like, ah, this is annoying and they'll just go. Or, or go um, elsewhere, if yeah. they don't, yeah, they'll find another website that, that they do like or something. But yeah, so understanding that and, and being able to make, you know, and this is a skill, right? This is a highly skilled thing to do. It's, you can definitely do um, some yourself and you can definitely go some way in understanding this. But doing this is an entire industry, right? This is my job. So I think it's really important <laughs> to understand. So no, that's it's very true, not right? spending money, Tom. 
<laughs> oh yeah okay not spending money if people do want to spend money they can but if they don't want to then there's a learning curve right so you have to yeah well yeah it's something that you have to get good at it's not something you can just pop a tool on have a look at and then go oh i know exactly what the issue is you know developing that expertise takes time but but it's definitely something that people should all all people should watch their customers use their website and you can do the real life version of that as well that's quite important is you can watch session recordings but one of the things that are really really good to do is actually get some customers and ask them to participate in an exercise with you and sit them down at your website and say right pretend you're a customer uh well you are but pretend you're looking at our services for the first time and browse the website and look to make an inquiry and you your eyes will be opened by the way people use your website you it will not be what you expect you can even embody it yourself you can even pretend you can even go so far into look, get into character and pretend that you're your own customer <laughs> like you have to really like yeah you have to really get into the character of it and pretend that you're not your own business and browse your website for the first time with fresh eyes as if you were your customer looking for your services and even that can go a long way in, in opening your eyes to yeah. whether or not your website is doing what you want i guess that's all marketing isn't it you always say talk about putting yourself in your customer's shoes and all that kind of stuff because mm, i think that's mm. the thing isn't it and you suddenly start doing that you're like actually i'm doing this wrong or i'm saying this in yeah. the wrong manner and this is what they're actually asking isn't it and, and also i think the other thing is i always say like when it comes to creating content or anything is actually what a customer's asking you now so those questions mm. that people mm. are asking you when you're out and about are the ones that should be covered on your website yeah. and, and can make it a lot easier and a lot more kind of functional as well. So I think there is this whole thing around, yeah, what customers are actually saying right now. And, yeah, and just I did an exercise with a company once where we listened to the sales team speaking to customers and we took what the sales team said and we put that on the website. And um, yeah. yeah, it helped. It helped a lot. It increased conversions and people... You know, you're, you're fighting objectives. You, the salespeople are great because they know what people are objecting to. They know what questions get asked. So put that on your website. There's no reason not to. Fantastic. Now on to my kind of final question for the, for the mm. kind of session, really. So in terms of these special episodes, I'm going to do a special bit where I'm talking about top kind of tools and resources that people can use. So it's a quick fire round. So any kind of tools and resources that people can use to improve their kind of websites um, and a reason why you think it works? Well, yeah, I guess the, the best, most appropriate one to talk about now, seeing as we've been talking about behavior analytics, is a free tool. It's completely free. It's by uh, Microsoft. It's called Microsoft Clarity. And Ooh, it's that, that behavior analytics tool. So you install a little bit of code on your website and then it starts to record um, people using your site. Again, all private, all anonymous. But what it will do is it will give you data on sessions, number of clicks people clicked on stuff. You can watch people use your website, you know, the mouse and the screen. You can look at something called rage clicks, which is when people get so frustrated they end up <laughs> clicking their mouse really hard. Yeah, that's called a rage click. I love so they're so that. annoyed that something isn't working that they just go, ah, this is so no, annoying. Um, yeah, so it tracks <laughs> that. It tracks. It tracks scroll depth, number of pages looked at, and you you can you can get some really interesting um, insights into where how your website's performing and how people are using your website. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, I guess the other stuff that I kind of had on mind was like Google Analytics. I still think that's yeah. pretty good in terms of traffic and kind of knowing all of that. 
Mm. Oh, in fact, actually, this is something to, to make people aware of, is that Google Analytics in June 2023 are moving to a new version of Google Analytics mm. called Google, Google Analytics 4. Um, and I'm only really starting to get to grips with it properly now. I've been been working on it kind of behind the scenes. It's a complete reimagining, really, of how Google Analytics works. Um, if you currently work with an agency or if you're currently working with a web provider, um, ask them about Google Analytics 4. Because if you're currently got... Um, Universal Analytics, which is the old version of Google Analytics, the current version, it's going. Um, it's going. Yeah, it's going to be gone. So all of your conversion data, all of your um, setups for your events, anything that you've got in there um, that will track your conversions is going to be gone by June and you need to have transitioned over to Google Analytics 4. So even if you've never looked at Google Analytics, if your business uses it and you trust your agency, then just ask the question next time you have a chat with them, say, are we looking at implementing Google Analytics 4? Because you can actually just set it up in the background right now and still run. Yeah, they're through, running. Right? They're running so in tandem at the moment. Yeah, so you can still collect data. So you're so you're not going to go into Google Analytics for completely empty from scratch. You could say, actually, I've yeah. got a running of a year for data. So yeah, no, I I, I did see a talk about um, that, but it, it does require a bit more setup. So that's the one of the things is it's good. It's got some really good stuff in there, but it requires some more um, customization than the previous version of Analytics did. No worries. Thank you so much mm. on that fantastic tip at the end. Thanks so much for being a great guest, Tom. And how do Thank my you. listeners find out more about you and what you do on websites and well, conversions? Yeah. And- You'll be surprised to um, learn that I pro- predominantly like to promote my website, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tom, just tomgarfield.co.uk. It's got links to all of my um, social medias and everything. I'm currently redesigning it live as well. Well, I'm half redesigning it live. I've decided to just do it live. So you might find some <laughs> broken bits on there if you want. Um, yeah, half finished buttons. It's broken. It's yeah, not working. Yeah. Raging. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm redesigning it in between work and looking after my three-year-old daughter. So sometimes, you know, I'm halfway through changing something and she'll say, Dad, can you pretend to be a dog? And then I'll have to go and do that instead of work on the website. So, um, yeah. I, <laughs> I Excuses, am, excuses. I know, I know. So, yeah, that's what Fantastic. I'm doing. Thank you so much for being an awesome guest. Thanks. so much for listening to the built environment marketing show don't forget to check out the show notes which will have useful links and resources connected to this episode you can find that on abassmarketing.com and of course if you like the show please do share it with others on social as it helps more people to find us see you soon <laughs>